All right, ladies. Well, it is time for us to, uh, to discuss what Christmas is all about, and we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus. Now, yes. Woo. So, to me, there is such a beauty, but also such a bizarreness about the Christmas season. You all know that this is true, okay? One of, one of the most festive times, but also one of the most hectic of times. Those of you that decorate a table, you know, you were busy lugging stuff here and there in the attic, in the storage room, all that stuff. So after Thanksgiving, because we're an after Thanksgiving family, me and my mom started putting up decorations. Now, I was given the task of the tree. (sighs) Usually what happens is my mom has my brother come over to the house, and he will put up the tree, um, bolt it to the base, and then I get to do all the ornaments. But this year, he is working nights and sleeping days, so we were having a hard time coordinating when he was going to come over. So I was like, we don't need Jacob. I can do it. Getting getting the uh, the box out of the storage area, check. It was fine. Then getting the tree out of the box, check. I was okay. Everything was fine. Uh, then getting the tree upright, check. I did it. Getting the like base bolted together, it was an epic fail. <laughs> Okay, I promise you, I spent two hours working on this. I was on the floor on my stomach, or I was like hunched over with the branches in my face. We were trying multiple flashlights. We, my mom tried to get on the floor. We completely unassembled the tree, put it back on the floor, tried to do it again, re-put it up. It would not work. I was ready to go to Target or Home Depot and just buy a brand new tree. I was like, I was, I was actually thoroughly upset. I was, I was really mad because I was like, it doesn't work. I was like, Jacob's been, Jacob's just been telling us that it's bolted. It's never been bolted before. And she was like, no, it's serious because we have Mila now and we don't want the tree to fall on her. So she's finally like, you're done. You're done. You're frustrated. I'm going to call your aunt and I'm going to have her decorate the tree because she likes the way she does it better than I do. And, and she's, and she, and she's like, we'll have Jacob come bolt it later on. So my aunt and cousin show up and they hear the whole story and they're convinced that they can bolt the base. (laughs) My cousin's on the floor. Then my aunt's on the floor. Another hour later, they couldn't do it. I was like, if you all do it, I'll pay for the fanciest dinner you've ever had in your whole life because that's how sure I was that it could not be done. And so she finally did like this weird zip tie arrangement. And I'm like, you guys, please may that tree not fall over. I mean, we broke, we broke multiple ornaments. There was glitter everywhere. It was a lot of chaos. And I was just like, <clears throat> do we have to do this anymore? I didn't want to. I was like, my eyes, I rolled my eyes. I was like, I'm, I'm over this. It, it sounds silly, but the season that's meant to reflect our wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, it becomes more about the decor, the wrapping paper, the baked goods, the creative presents. And I can tell you, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I wasn't thinking about Christmas. I wasn't thinking about the manger. I wasn't thinking about the stars when I was going around all the boxes that were in the house and trying not to step on the glass and glitter like up my nose. I was, I was just not about it. (laughs) 
I know all of you have a story of some kind in relation to Christmas. So during the holidays, here's going to be like our goal. During the holidays, let's think more about our Savior and less about the season, okay? So here we go. We're going to we're going to think more about the Savior and less about the season. So yeah, we're going to keep our focus on hope. Let's keep our focus on the peace, on the love, and the joy. Um, because it's just a temporary December month, and we kind of forget what it's it's all about. Am, am I still going to buy my niece Mila way too many presents? Yes. Am I going to drink a, a lot of holiday drinks? Yes. Go to every Christmas party? Yes. I have one tonight and then one tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I want to find all the beautiful moments in the Christmas season. I want to be intentional. I'm focusing on my Savior more on the season because that's why we're celebrating on the 25th. We're celebrating his birthday. So today I have affectionately called the celebration of Jesus Christmas, okay, because he's our hope. And what is hope? That's us expecting him with confidence. That's us being able to trust in him. So today let's go far beyond saying we're Christians who celebrate Christmas. Um, And let's be devoted Christ followers. Now, in scripture, we see descriptions of Jesus and his earthly entrance. So today, we're going to look at that reference in John 1, 1 through 14. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. Now, this is the Apostle John, and he writes this in relation to Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, this is referring to Jesus. And the Word Jesus was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, thankfully. And the life was the light of men. The light Jesus shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is referring to John the Baptist. Not John who wrote the the book. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, verse 9, here's the kicker. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Here's our reference to Jesus' birthday as we celebrate it today. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Stay with me. I know it's long. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is Jesus's time on earth. And we have sent, we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, our hope. So how many times have we said, if only Jesus could be tangible. If only he were still on earth to help us. We want to literally have him sit next to us, tell us what to do, send me an email, a text, just write it in the sky. Whatever works for you, Jesus, as long as it could be tangible. 
Well, here in this verse, John describes Jesus as the word. So he is tangible. We can touch. We can hear from him every day through the Bible. So as we go through the birth and life of Jesus today, I want us to remember John's description of Jesus as the word. The Bible is the primary way that we're learning about God as we address any season and any circumstance. So do you ever have one of those moments where you remember a song or a jingle, a quote from a movie? Every time I drive by a Chili's, it's really hard not to go, I got my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, Chili's, baby back ribs, barbecue sauce. Or what about the Kit Kat song? If you know it, you better, don't make me sing by myself. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. Thank you. I don't know why this one is stuck in my head. Call 1-800-STEAMER. Stanley Steamer gets your home cleaner. And, <laughs> and then oh, little Mila right now is super into Mickey. And Mickey's great and all for a while. But his, the song is seared in my brain, so all of you that have to watch the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, it's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, come inside, it's fun inside, it's the Mickey Mouse Club. okay, I'm done, okay, okay, I'm done, done, done. <laughs> so if you notice, I, I didn't have to look at my notes to sing those songs to you, they're so just in my brain. Chili's was really trying hard when I was younger and I watched too much TV and it's like there forever, right? Like, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Like, it's just, it's there. And I started thinking like, why is it so easy to remember all of these things? I, I didn't have to look here. I didn't have to look it up on the internet, but I did have to read most of John from the paper. And I was like, oh, Amanda, hmm, red flag, red flag. Like, you need to continue reading the word on repeat over and over again. Because we don't have enough Bible in our hearts. We don't have enough memorized. We can't sometimes even paraphrase anything. And yet, some of us can quote an entire movie. We know the lyrics to 117 songs. And we could do countless jingles. I could stand up here for an hour and you could fill in the, the end of everything that I read, that I, that I play for you. That's a problem when we don't have the word like ingrained on in us. And a lot of people are like, well, everything in the Bible is so on repeat. Well, that's kind of the point. That's because we have to hear it every single day over and over and over again. And because the only thing, the only thing that changes lives is Jesus. And we just read that the word is Jesus. And it tells us how to live in relationship with him and in relation to those around us. Oh, hello. Um, read the word because it has the answers that we're looking for. He is the answer. So I, I just love it. I love how John tells us we have the word. He is the light. He came into the world, became flesh, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, our savior. The one who gives us access to personal and intimate relationship with him if we choose it. So let's come on back now to Jesus's birth because that's what today is all about and John's description of it. It really brings to mind Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. And this is what it says. For everything, there is a season. A time for every matter under the sun. A time to be born. And a time to die. 
So we know Jesus had his birth of the virgin girl Mary in Bethlehem. There was a time for this. A time for him in the manger. A time for the wise men to bring gifts. A time for the angels to rejoice. But there was also a time for his death. So while Christmas keeps Jesus as a baby, we know that Jesus did not stay a baby. He lived a sinless life. He ministered for three and a half years, teaching and preaching before he died on the cross. Took on the sins of mankind. Was resurrected three days later. 40 days on earth and went back up to heaven. He had an earthly beginning and he had an earthly end. And what do we know? We too. We too have an earthly beginning and an earthly end. A time to be born and a time to die. What do we do? We celebrate birthdays with parties filled with ice cream and cake, presents, balloons. At Mila's party, we had a bounce house. I got in the bounce house. Yeah, I was sore the next day. And then, and then unfortunately, we mourn death. We have funerals. We have special poems, floral arrangements, tombstones, PowerPoint presentations to honor the person's life. Now, here's the thing, though. The day of our birth and our uh, the day of our death, they are pivotal moments of our life. This was true for Christ. But what we want to look at is what did Christ do with the in-between? What are we doing with the in-between? The day of our birth and our death Those are not the days that we make the most impact on the world. We really don't have any control over those days. You don't plan your birth, and you don't know when your final breath is going to be. So those those are absolutely meaningful days for your parents. They're, They're meaningful days for your friends and your family members, but you don't actually do much on your first and last day. So the question is then, what will you do with the in-between time? The many days that separate your entrance and your exit here. How will you live those remaining days? Now, we know that Jesus ministered for three and a half years. That's about 1,278 days. He did a lot in a very short amount of time. That's not even including his childhood, his young adult years. Well, I'm 32, so I've had 11,680 days. Now, let's just say we throw out everything before 18 because I was young and dumb. (laughs) Now we have 5,110 days. I've had 5,110 days. You can do the math on your own age, okay? But let's just say that majority of us will live to be about 81. That's the current life expectancy for a female in the United States. What? Granny? How old are you over there? 90? Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Aw. I want to be 100. I want to live to be at least 100. People are like, why? I said, why not? (laughs) Wow. Okay, so if we're, let's just say we, we are blessed to make it to 81. This means that, oh, and we got to throw away the young and dumb years. Okay, so we're not going to count anything above 18. (laughs) So that's about 63 years, 22,995 days. So we won't make it difficult, about 23,000 years. So after 18, you have about 23,000, did I say 23, 23, did I say it right? Oh, I need Karen. Karen, where are you to help me with the math? 23,000 days to... To do what? 
What are we going to do? That's 23,000 to the two of your birth and your death. Now, okay, obviously I'm not trying to diminish your birth. I'm not trying to diminish your death. Um, but only to magnify how much happens in between. The birth, the birth and the death are the bookends. So what content is in the middle? So I think of Colossians 3.17. This is what Colossians says. And whatever you do, whatever, I should have remembered that when I was putting the base on the tree, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All those thousands of days that you have left should be about Jesus. So are your days about Jesus? Are you loving him and are you loving people? Now, as I personally reflected on these numbers for my own life, I had some moments of thinking of some of the really cool things that I've gotten to do. But I also started thinking about how much time I've wasted. Just a few days ago, I received notice that I had been approved for graduation for my second bachelor's degree. Now, I don't tell you all this to brag. Okay, this has got, this has got an illustration to it. Um, but to share with you how long it took me. Now, we know most people finish their second degrees in two or three years. I finished mine in 10 years. Okay, well, Martha sounds like my mom. It's okay, Amanda. At least you finished. At least you finished. <laughs> but it was 10 years. And here's why it took 10 years. Because I let myself get distracted by irrelevant and meaningless things. So I am very excited. I feel very accomplished in finishing the degree, but I know that, man, time is precious, okay? I only got a couple a couple thousand to go, and I want to make all those day, days count. Now listen to this. Too often, we confuse busyness with productivity and procrastination with resting. So too often, I've confused busyness with productivity and procrastination with resting. So let's take a closer look at this. Let's make it really personal. Is your busyness creating something productive? And is your rest just time you're using to procrastinate? So there are definitely things that we have to do. We have to buy the groceries. We have to take care of the kids. We have to take care of our ailing parents. We have to go to the doctor's appointments. Got to go to school. Countless business means you got to wash your hair every once in a while. And... There's a true need for us to rest and relax. But I admit that I spent an excess amount of time goofing off or spending time doing the wrong things. So while reflecting on my notes, I, I really did feel like I've wasted many of my days. I had a long moment of sadness about those lost minutes. And now I have a new determination to make my remaining ones count in service to God. We can't go back. A lot of us are going to just live in the guilt. You're going to stop here in the message and just be like, well, life is horrible and I'm blah, blah, blah age and whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. We can't live in the guilt. Maybe you have wasted lots of time doing all sorts of things, but the past can't change. All we can do is move with resolve to live for him with freshness and with purpose, with dedication and with passion. So big question here, what are you going to do with the days that you have left? What are you going to do with the days that you have left? (laughs) All the days between your birth and your death. Because Jesus spent his in-between days 
between his birth and his death in service to the Lord, to his father. And I want to do the same. So let's take a look now at 1 John 5. Starting at verse number 1, we see this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born. Okay, another reference here to birth of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? That's good stuff. Let's take a look at verse 3. So back to verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and they're not burdensome. Not burdensome. This is, a burden is a load, typically a heavy one. Well, the Bible and its content aren't meant to be heavy. We can follow God in the midst of a corrupt and evil world. We can overcome because Christ overcame. Does it take yet effort? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but thankfully, Christ is our hope. He sustains us. He loves us. He forgives us. And this makes me think of a birthday party that I went to recently. We went to one of those um, arcade places. I can't even remember what it's called. And there was bowling, but it was not normal bowling. It was little bitty lanes with like smaller, like dwarf looking bowling balls. And so we're all thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. We're going to do a really good job. It was super hard. And the kid next to us had the bumper guards. And I was like, I wish I had the bumper guards. And I thought it was like, like, it just kind of hit me that these bumper guards are God's way. Like those are his commandments. That's God's way of keeping us out of the gutter and keeping us like to get to the objective, right? Versus like, I was like, come on, kid. I want to play with you. So it bumper guards, what are they for? Keep us out of the gutter. These, this is what the commandments of the Bible are. This is what, that's the whole point of the obedience aspect. And now let's look at back at verse four, verse four of first John five. And it says this for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So in the Bible, we're referred to as so many names. We're a friend a brother, a sheep, a saint, a soldier, a witness, an ambassador, born again, children of God. Well, here we see the title of overcomer. When we place our faith in God, we have all the victory. That's it. We're overcomers and an overcomer loves and an overcomer obeys. I'm telling you, because some of you need to hear this. I need to hear this sometime. God did not send Jesus to be born for you to walk around defeated. That's not what, that's not what this says. Okay? So we are overcomers and we do not have to walk around defeated. That's not means we're not going to get sad. That doesn't mean we're not going to have emotions. But we don't have to walk around in the pit. So if we can choose, if, if we have chosen Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and we acknowledge that we want to follow his commands, what can we practically do to make sure that all of those days, however many we have left, are purposeful and in fellowship and service to God? So we look here at 1 Corinthians 
We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 15. Now we see that Paul is speaking of the work that he and his brother in Christ, Apollos, have been doing in the church. Now, I, I want you all to hang with me, okay? Everybody's still here. Okay, because I know that this verse is long. I know that I've read several verses to you, but this verse, this, this section has sat on my heart for six months as one that needed to be read today. So st- stay with me as we read what Paul says. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one, no one can lay a foundation other than that what is laid, which is Jesus Christ, our hope, our salvation. Now, if anyone, this is the kicker here, man, this got me good. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Here Paul reminds the church of Corinth that Christ, our salvation is the foundation. This is the the slab of concrete. Then we, we are choosing what gets built on top of that foundation. So what is your foundation made of? Paul says here, silver, precious stones, gold, they will withstand. Wood, hay, and straw, they will not. A life built on gold, on silver, on precious stones is one filled with obedience, prayer, worship, Bible reading, and service to others. A life of loving God, truly loving God, and truly loving people. A life that includes growth and forgiveness. A life that's marked by trust and surrender. But a life built on wood, on hay, on straw, is one filled with rebellion, disobedience, hate, division, a life that's marred by false assurance and outward appearance. So what is your foundation made of? Is the base even salvation? Do you need to take out some of the wood, hay, and straw that's made its way and replace it with the beauty of gold, of silver, and precious stones? Because here's what we know about behaviors. Those of you that are moms, those of you who've been around any, any other person ever, about behaviors and actions, that most of the time, the more you do something, the less you're bothered by the fact that you're doing it. I think of someone who's moved to another location. If they're used to warm climate and then they enter a really cold climate, their body at first is in shock. 
uh, and and they, they, they can't process it. But the longer they're in that new environment, their body acclimates. They're not bothered anymore. I also think of people who have uh, jobs and activities where they use their hands a lot. So let's think of people like musicians or people that use machinery and tools. What, what happens when they use their hands so much? They get blisters, but then their skin hardens and it gets callous and therefore their body adapts to the behavior. So what's a callus? If you've had one, they're not the greatest. It's an area of thickened skin that forms as a response to repeated friction, pressure, or irritation. Now the pressure, it causes the skin to die. You see, I connected everything to death today and it forms a heart protective surface. Now, at first, the activity hurts. Maybe playing the instrument or the tool, it cut them. It bruised them. It was unpleasant. Maybe it hurt even to the point where they considered not doing it anymore. But the more you do said activity, the more your body adapts. And that's the same with our behaviors, our actions, our words, our sins. The more we do something, the more it becomes ingrained in our life. It becomes who we are it's not bothersome anymore. So the more we do an activity, the easier it is not to repeat. So we neglect not coming to church one Sunday, then another, then another. At first it seems strange. My routine is off. I'm like, uh, and then it starts not to bother me as much, less and less. And to the point we're, we're not even concerned with it. So what in your life have you allowed to continually happen that's creating a callus? So listen, calluses protect the skin. They're protecting the insides, but they're not better than not having them at all. And we know that if they're not treated and managed, they can become extremely unpleasant and infected. So you can mask a behavior for a long time and then it oozes out and it makes a gross mess. So what calluses are only a patch job and not an actual fix to your foundation? So if you're not feeling joy, if you're not feeling the things on the stage over here, if you're not feeling assurance, peace, love, is it because your foundation isn't Jesus? Have you stopped putting your hope in him? Because the longer we follow what God wants us to do, the easier and normal it is to serve him. Several years ago, I prayed that the Lord would help me to do better at at reading my Bible. I prayed and I prayed, but I never took any action. I guess I I weirdly expected that God would pick me up, take me to the table, bring the Bible, open the Bible, and oh, also read it out loud to me. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. Um, And I I thought that one day I would just wake up and I would desire the Bible as much as I wanted, like bread and desserts. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Like the key I'm missing here is that I have to put effort to start small and to grow. And all the while, because God is so amazing, he answered my prayer in a different way than I imagined. I imagined him literally picking me up and reading to me. And instead, he brought a person into my life that I just met that had the courage to ask me to walk through the Bible with her. At the time, she wasn't saved. She wanted to know more, and I said yes. And since then, we've read 23 books of the Bible together, dissecting chapter by chapter, looking at content, making connections. The more I read with her, the more I read on my own. And I found breath and life in these pages, and I saw my Savior through the eyes of someone coming to know him for the very first time. I, 
I, I've been in church since I was five. I had never gotten to see that up close and personal. Somebody transition from not knowing him to knowing him. And I saw the real power in what Jesus could do. Now, God gives us choice, ladies, choice to accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and choice to do with that foundation that's laid. What are we building on top of it? So, yes, we're going to pray. Let's pray. Let's read the word. Let's live a life of worship. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let's obey. But one of the biggest things I want to say here is let's put in effort. Okay, we have to put in effort to get to the point that we read the Bible. We have to put effort into the point that we're going to show up at church. We have to put effort into the point that we're going to sing and actually sing genuinely and not just staring at them. That is That requires effort. So today, let's reflect what is happening between your birth and your death. How are you spending your days? You don't have a lot of them. Ask some of our of our of our seasoned believers in here. It goes fast. It goes fast. What's your life being built on? Is this Christmas more about the Savior or is it about the season? So as I, I want to leave you with this before we reflect and before we worship. This is Psalm 71, 5 through 6, and it says this. For you, O Lord, are my hope. My trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you.